you struggle with growing business relationships that actually last? Did you know that there's such a thing as relationship marketing? Today you get to hear from Jessica Phillips on Dealcasters. Jessica is founder and owner of the Now Marketing Group. She has become one of the leaders in the digital marketing industry through her use of relationship marketing and the CARE method. She's a highly sought after speaker and consultant to forward-thinking businesses that are looking for more than an increase to the bottom line. So get ready to build your know, like, and trust and hear how your business relationships can lead to a lifetime of success. Like, oh my God, what kind of intro is that? You're going to make me cry before I go on like live here. <laughs> That's amazing. You you guys are both amazing. <laughs> so Jessica, it's it's great to see you. I mean, how how are things going? It's going well. Like I really honestly feel so lucky, one, to have met people like you that introduced me now to Chris and uh, get to meet now your community. But also just to be able to do a live event here coming up, like live events, like not going live, like in person. Uh, so I'm super thankful for that. And just, you know, that we've all kind of come through 2020 and still are here. And I think we learned a lot of lessons and it's made us all stronger and in many aspects. So yeah, I think I have no complaints right now. <laughs> and you know, that's the thing is like, you haven't sat still during all this. I mean, you've continued to, uh, to grow your company. Uh, I know you've got some exciting things going on. Uh, you know, you guys have like, you're you're like revitalizing downtown Lima, right? I mean, you guys have moved into a new space, you know, uh, which I think is great because, I mean, Lima's not really like a huge town, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> like, and that's what's so amazing that people are willing to come to this event, especially like speakers from all over, right? Because it's not easy to get into Lima either. It's like you have to take a flight. And then once you land from your flight, you have at least a minimum of like an hour, hour and a half, two hour drive from the airport just to get in to Lima. Uh, there's no like direct airports nearby. It's population 30,000. Um, but I love what you said that I did not do this alone. Like it's a community thing. So with the office downtown Lima, that's what we are looking at is what is it going to take really truly to help brands grow? And it is a huge part of it is community. And so uh, several different like kind of heart-centered visionary uh, people that I consider friends, we all looked at us coming together collaboratively. So it's like a comic book shop, a wine boutique, uh, you know, somebody that does music, but also helps others recording. It's like a recording studio and myself, and then, you know, a- another shop kind of come together to create what's called legacy arts um, to where we want to give people in our community a place to not just eat because we have some restaurants there, but shop, play, have things to do. And all of us kind of coming together and and collaborating on a space where now in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a block party uh, for the community and then uh, open up more shops for, for people starting out. You know their business. God, that's amazing. You could you could you could sit there and jam on some music while reading comics, drinking wine, and yeah. uh, market yourself all all in the it, same. It sounds like crazy, like collaboration of things, but it it really truly works out. So I work with a lot of students. So the students are going to learn to partner with some of the new businesses that are coming in. Like maybe they have an Etsy shop and they want to open their store. They don't have a lot of money yet, so they'll you know rent out a space, and then the students will help them market for you know free, and then um, you know the comic book shop and the wine they're um, pairing like you know comics and cocktails 
And then we have like a garage door that opens up in the back of the building where once a night of the week, we're hosting some jams for people to come out and have some wine shop while they're doing it and, and just enjoy themselves. Yeah. And and actually, Chris, you know, you've seen my baby Yoda, right? It was on our May the 4th uh, episode. I actually got that from Mark. He you know, <laughs> sent that out uh, from his comic shop there in, uh, in Lima. So I, I do what I can to, to support uh, more you know, small businesses. And I know some people say, but you're on Amazon. But guess what? Small businesses do sell on Amazon. People don't always realize that. Jessica, tell us your story. Because I think it's such an amazing story of, of not only resilience, but just you know, how you got to where you are today. Oh, man. How far you want to go back? Now, I'll tell you the short story on how I started like now marketing group. Um, honestly, it was kind of like one of those things is we call it accidental entrepreneur <laughs> or intentional like kind of grit, if you will. Um, but I was working in telecommunications, kind of my first big girl job. I always loved technology, loved people. Um, but started out in telecommunications in the day of like the Zach Morris phones when they're like giant, <laughs> big phones. So I was there for flip phones uh, and then the ev- evolution from polyphonic ringtone to text messaging and data. Um, and I loved it. I loved learning more about uh, people and how they would use the different tools. Um, and truly, when we were starting to sell data at that time, most people thought we were crazy. They're like, I just need my phone to make phone calls. I don't need all this data, text, whatever stuff. And so it's kind of funny now looking back at those conversations. But what I realized at that time when I was talking with um, consumers when they were coming in, I was working customer service. It's where you got to start out there, right? Um, But we're still expected to sell uh, to to everyone. And when they're coming in and we're expected to sell data, I knew that I'm not going to sell them anything because when they're coming in complaining about something, I'm not going to sell them anything by just trying to sell and pitch so I have to ask questions, get to know them, right? Build a rapport, not be so in a hurry to sell something. Um, and so I did that. And from doing that, I was able to quickly become like the top sales rep in the company, even in customer service. So I got moved uh, to sales. And then from sales, store manager to then what's called distribution partner from another um, kind of company in telecommunications, where I would travel around to mom and pop shops uh, like Radio Shacks, but then also some that just would become a reseller to learn uh, about our company and want to sell our product, but also help train their team. And that was like my dream job, I thought at the time. I thought I had my forever job because I get to do the best of both worlds, right? And so grooving. So I thought <laughs> my job got pregnant uh, with my daughter and ended up getting super sick, uh, sick to the point I was in the hospital for eight out of the nine months I was pregnant. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything uh, at that time. And I was devastated uh, because I'd built such good relationships with these businesses too. And I was just starting to teach them about like social media because that was just coming out at the time, you know, really for, for businesses like Facebook um, and YouTube, you know, that were businesses were using it. And I was trying to help them do that at the time because they didn't have a marketing budget. Like their marketing ideas were putting uh, flyers underneath car windshield wipers, like the stores and stuff. It was just bad. So I was I built this rapport with them. So not only could I not work, I'm still getting these calls from these business owners like, help me, you know, we just got this set up. I need some help. And to make matters worse, uh, the company that I worked for called and said, Hey, we can't hold your position for you because we don't know how long you're going to be sick. So we're going to let you go. And I was the breadwinner. I was the insurance carrier. I'm the hospital. I couldn't do anything. And I was devastated. Um, So 
I could have stayed mad <laughs> or could have did something else. And so I decided to do it kind of just clicked at that time with the businesses calling me and needing help and something that came naturally to me, which was social at the time. Um, and just technology in general, I started uh, now marketing group right after that and decided to never work for anyone <laughs> that could, you know, treat you only one way when you're performing and not be there for you when you need them, you know? So kind of created the anti-corporate company <laughs> and been going since then. You've been the cool kids ever since. That's a, that's a, um, that's an amazing story. And, um, I didn't know uh, that, uh, there's some similarities in, in, in your career path and mine as well. And we'll have to nerd out on that uh, later. Cause sure. I, I worked, I worked with Sony in the music business for years, but also ran mm-hmm. the mobile business as well. So you started talking mm-hmm. about polyphonic ringtones and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and you were in the mobile business. So we'll have to, we'll have to nerd out on that later. So. That's that's when you started now, but now you know has become uh, something that has been, you know it won awards. It's got, you've got a whole team. Um, it's it's not just some you know little you know cool mom and pop out of your garage you know thing. You've you, you've turned it into something for for those that are that are watching this show, listening to this show, that have an idea for doing what you're doing. Um, what uh, what maybe were some of your your struggles along the way and the things that you've learned to this point that you might want to offer up to, uh, to someone who's thinking about doing some sort of uh, marketing group agency. Yeah. I would first say like one, if you have something you're passionate about, like don't feel like you have to wait for all the like answers and have to be the expert. Like if you're passionate about it, go for it. First of all, because I feel like if I wasn't in that position of like, I'm going to do this because you know, just because you, you know, I'm not going back there. Um, I don't know that I ever would have did it because I feel like I would have waited to feel like I have all the answers first and like had it all, you know, um, there. Now, granted, you do want to know what you're doing, of course, but at the same time, don't let that get in your way. Um, so I feel like when I got started, and what I recommend for every brand that gets started and the brands that work with us. Um, is that we have to start from the inside out. So you have to really know like who you are as an organization, who what you're passionate about and what your why is. And my like when Simon Sinek says start with like has this whole thing on start with why, which I like that. But I even think it needs to go a step further, not just why you're doing it, but also, you know, your manifesto of like who you want to work with. Because that was the key for me is that I wanted to know. I knew why I was doing it. I said, I want to make relationships the forefront of business and marketing because I felt like you didn't have to be just all sales. Like in corporate America, it's like, you know, you were only good as your numbers, you know, that day. And, you know, it was all about selling and just focusing on new sales. And when really the sales were coming from the customer service department, when done right, the people that are already doing business with you that just needed that time in TLC. And that was like where it clicked for me when I'm selling more from the customer service department, right? So um, for me, like getting started from the inside out, I had to learn though to identify who are those people that I want to work with because I was paying to work. I went from like six figures, the company car, the whole shebang to nothing. Like, um, and I, at first, it's really tempting to take on clients. And when I was taking on some, I was taking on some of the wrong clients at first. And I had to quickly realize like it's more powerful to say no. To the wrong people 
or just as powerful, I would say, to say no to the wrong people than it is to say yes to the right people. Because each client that you take on is adding either culture credit or culture debt, in my opinion. Like any person that you're trying to work with, if they enjoy working with you, they're going to tell others. If they don't enjoy working with you, they're going to tell others. So you don't want to work with the wrong people. Uh, and that also goes for team members that you're hiring, right? Like you have to really find people that are going to jive with your overall manifesto of why you're here to do something uh, and who you're here to do it for. Because a lot of times they're the one working with your end customer at the end of the day, because nobody's going to be as passionate as you are about your business, but you can find people that are passionate in what they do and that they're genuine people and that align with maybe that core values um, that you have in place in your office. So those were some of the very first lessons I would say um, as it relates to like growing the business as well as serving, you know, others. Like I I've never had a sales rep, still don't. Um all I've done is truly kind of do trainings and tell people exactly how to do the things that I'm doing and and that's never hurt me. It's only helped grow uh, because people aren't hiring me because they can't google how to do a website or create a video or do social media. They're hiring us because they want to know that they're working with someone that can take that off their plate, that they can trust, that's going to have their back. And, and that's why they're hiring us. And that's why they're sticking with us. And that's why they're telling others about us. And, and it helps grow our business that way. And, and Jessica, you know, and I love, I love that whole, you know, uh, you know, the kind of the culture, you know, credit and debits. And, and, but here's the other thing too. So you, like you said, you've grown your business. Would you say you've grown it organically because you've built relationships? 100%. Uh, yes, yeah, so you don't run ads. No. Right. I think that's where a lot of businesses like, oh, I got to run ads to grow. Mm-mm. But now, but granted, like I know, you know, you've got Tony who's a Facebook ads expert that can help companies that do that. And, and Tony's a, you know, good friend. And I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully he's going to be in Lima. But, um, you know, but it's that whole thing, right? You're doing it in a sense, you know, people say, oh, I build my business off, off referrals. There's a lot of truth to that. But I think you have, I think you're one of the leaders in how that is done. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about how you, you know, how someone goes about becoming a, I call it a relationship marketer? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. And, and really, yeah. So I maybe ran like $100 worth of ads the whole in 11 years um, to promote the conference, I think it was for. But what I'm not saying it's bad to run ads. Don't get me wrong. Like if it's helping amplify what you're already doing, right. Then do it. We just haven't had to thankfully. Right. So what we've done and what we help clients do, and I'm not just talking about clients that have a product to sell. I'm talking like some of the most, what many would consider boring industries in the world, <laughs> like nuclear pharmacy or, um, you know, tools that cut holes in the ground. Those are the type of clients that we're working with a lot of times, the, the harder to tell story clients, right? Um, but what we help clients do is truly we help them focus on how to out care the competition. And I know you led on to that a little bit, uh, but care is the acronym to really help break down the mindset of what it means to think with a relationship first mindset. Because I believe, honestly, like the sales funnel, as we've all been taught in business and why we all think ads first and broadcast, is that the sales funnel is broken. It does not really truly exist anymore. It's, there's no sales funnel because the sales funnel says that people come into you as a lead, then become a marketing qualified lead, a sales qualified lead, and then hopefully a customer. But then you just have to keep dumping more leads in in order to kind of sift it out to find your customer. And what happens is when we have that mindset, is it's almost like, 
you know, dump them in. As soon as we get it, okay, great, let's dump more in. You know, and you're always focused on getting that new versus focusing on who's already right here doing business with you because word of mouth 100% of the time is going to be the best lead that you can get. Something that's already referred into you that already has a sense of you know who you are and what it's like to work with you. That's going to be your best chance of getting that sale anyway. So the people that are giving you those word of mouth leads are traditionally your clients or customers, right? Your team members and community members. Like Jim and I have never done business together. But he's talking about me in a positive light. And thank you so much for that. And I could say the same for him. And he would never traditionally be my customer. But we're always going to be advocates of each other. So when you think about it that way, it's not a sales funnel anymore. It's a flywheel. So if you start from the core of who you are and truly get that right, and you can help look at your clients and focus on the people that already care for you, that's already going to want to refer you, want to do business with you, and you can really focus on them and get it to that point where you have this good rapport, then the momentum is going to continue to grow because they're advocating for you. So you always have you know, your growth and awareness and leads coming in without thinking of a funnel. So you literally drill in to care more for those people that are already in that space. And so care stands for how capturing attention first. So capturing attention is how to get noticed for that thing that you do. And that starts with having a clear understanding of what it is that you do. It's not what you do, but it's really how you do it, right? Because if we think about just thinking about marketing, for example, there's a million people that are marketers or so, even more that are social media marketers. So they think, right? Um, but what makes you stand out? So it's how you do it. So what are you doing that's different that um, leaves people feeling good? That's how you capture attention. You capture attention from identifying... I don't want to be a bullhorn and blast my message out. I want to create the right vibe, content, everything that's going to work like a magnet to attract the right people to me. And that's where like the serving, you know, whether you're showing up with something like this, adding value, you're going to attract the right people that want to understand that content, that you're finding value in it. And they're going to keep showing up to build that rapport. So that A is then articulating our message, being crystal clear on what it is that we do. Um, and show up consistently or consistently with clarity and conviction in it. People can feel the passion if you really care about it. Um, and then the R is all about relationships for repeat referral business, like not treating people like transactions, like create this sense of belonging. Um, people aren't just going to be your advocate if you're doing a, a fair transaction. That's just a transaction. That's just business. But if you can show up and personalize something, uh, and let them know that you care, like you're showing up for them. You are, you know, sending them an audio message saying thank you versus just an email, you know, a video message. Maybe you're sending them a card. You're checking in on them and making sure they're okay and people can genuinely feel that you care. Um, and then the E is all about exceptional experiences. So what can you do to ensure that you're removing friction from who's trying to do business with you and just adding in extra moments of delight and just surprise uh, for them? So they want to do business with you. They, they feel like it's easy. It's, it's clean. It's cool. That's why everybody loves Amazon, right? Because it is you know, speedy. It's the ease of use is there. You know, it's consistent. Like That's what keeps people coming back. So they have this, this understanding. This experience is an emotion. It's how we're making people feel. Um, that, then they're going to keep coming back and using it. Chris and I have talked about before, Like even if you get something from Amazon and you don't like it, you can not only can you send it back, you know, they've even partnered like with Kohl's. You can just walk into the Kohl's because I, I, I asked the guy, I was like, just bring the thing. It doesn't even have to be in the original box and they take care of it. 
And so they make it easy. And I think that's a lesson that smaller businesses could learn mm-hmm. is like, how can you help your customer feel like you care mm-hmm. uh, when something doesn't always go right? Exactly. Yeah, they don't block. I love HubSpot um, said one time and it stuck with me so much. Don't block the exit. You know, like that, there's nothing more frustrating when you're trying to unsubscribe from an email or something and people are like, make you jump through hoops to do it. Like, oh my God, I will never be back, you know? But if you make things easy and just do that transaction, like I said, like companies, right? Like if they're going to let me go and I'm sick, they offered me a job back. I'm like, heck no. (laughs) Okay, how much you want to pay me? I would never go back there because you see how you rate, right? But if they would have treated me right and you know, showed up when, when I wasn't at my best and I would stick by them when they weren't at their best potentially. Right. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I like, I like how you said that, uh, you don't have a salesperson. You've never, you, you know, and, and, you know, it's because in, in, you know, a friend of ours who does, who does sales, he's known as the sales energizer, Dan Jordan. He says this, he says, if you want to be a better salesperson, first be a better person. And I, and I think, yeah, and <laughs> right. I think that's, that's, this is, um, this is exactly what you're talking about and what you've learned through, um, you know, going into, you know, the telecom business and working with people and visiting people and just being a great person and understanding them and being a friend to them and finding little things that you can do, not because you want to sell more, yes. but because it feels good to be a good person. And mm-hmm. guess what? You will sell more. Exactly. You will be more successful if you are. One hundred percent. And that's what's great about it is you feel good about it. You know, at the end of the day, and it works, right? I think all of us, and that's the theme of Social Media Week Lima this year is unfiltered, um, which is how to build a community in a dark social world. People can tell, and dark social is a lot different than the dark web. Don't worry, it's not that kind of show. But um, dark social is all about people moving into smaller, more niche communities and, and communicating in the inbox more. And communicating in the inbox, like email, text, messenger, you know, coming into shows like Twitter Spaces or um, you know, uh, Clubhouse and all those where things are there and gone, but brands often aren't invited into that. But who is in there is people that trust each other and they're having this conversation about what it's like to do business with someone or what is really happening in that process. So people know who's genuine and who's not. And they're talking about it. And the what dark social stands for is that traffic that's happening in there. And companies can't attribute it back to where the traffic's coming from if they come to their website. All it is is looks like direct traffic. And so they're really confused. Like, where is this coming from? Where should we invest? How can we measure sentiment? And unfortunately, it's kind of like almost too late once you start getting the bad news because it's message already spread, right? So if you're not a good person and you're not authentic and legit and unfiltered, people are already going to know. You can't fake it. You cannot buy community. You can't fake genuine. You cannot be anything but who you are. So you might as well show up as who you are and do the right thing because that's the only way that business is going to be sustainable for the long term. It's and this is a good thing for small businesses now because this means that they have a great opportunity to pivot, get it right and and do business in a way that feels good that people are going to notice and they're going to reward uh, because I think all of us are looking for more something more substance than just a sale. Yeah, Jessica, what do you think is the hold up of some businesses understanding that piece because you're right. With all these new social audio apps and everything else, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's an overwhelm. But I mean, what do you think is the the way to 
to move forward to get into the dark social and 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 that's and it's dark like you said because it's like it's not readily seen but it leads to results. Yeah, I think people a lot of times for businesses they focus too much on the tool and not the technique, right? Like in they it is somewhat overwhelmed, somewhat scary and vulnerable, right? Because they're like, oh, you know, we've just been taught, oh, it's not personal, it's business. And that's not true. <laughs> you know, it's all personal at the end of the day. Um, one. And and so I think they're afraid of letting go. Like we hold on sometimes so tight to our businesses that we can't see past that grip. And we're so protective, which is good. It's good that you're protective. It's good that you care. But I think we need to sometimes just pause for a minute and get back to the basics. So where it feels good. Because if it's not feeling good, it's not good. Right. Um, and and you can never market something enough that's going to lead to a sale unless it's good for a long term anyway. You can feel full people for a little bit. So I feel like that's a big part of it is focusing on the tool, not the technique, and focusing on going wide versus deep. So like they feel like I need to blast this out as much as possible, as far as possible, because that's the only way I'm going to get sales. Like I need to go further versus being patient, a little bit of patient and not have this like scarcity mindset, right? And just say, no, if I go deep, it's going to have roots right? And those roots are going to grow and they're going to keep growing. And it's going to be harder for those people to leave because they don't want to. They've made, you know, got their roots there. So you can start where you're at and just go in on one channel. You just use your website first, right? Like, And then continue to just get that right and then move outward and move outward. But um, you don't have to just, you know, go everywhere. Yeah. Do the one thing, right? Do the one thing and focus on it. And, um, and you talked about this earlier, identifying who your customer is and stop and really niche down. I think people are really afraid to do that, especially small businesses, because you want to be all things to everyone. And, you know, that's another rule in podcasting and live streaming and any business that you're in. It's like, you got to know who's, who's buying your stuff, who's listening to your stuff and who's watching your stuff. And like, be able to niche that down and then talk to that person. And then it gets really scary, right? Because you're a small business. You're like, well, that's not that many people. Yeah. That's only a small, but, but man, you can maximize. Because I think people think their niche is different. You know, they're like, oh, I just, like I talked to a guy yesterday. And he's like, oh, I can just go after insurance people. You don't have to do that. Maybe like if it's right for your business, but it's really about the type of person that you want to work with. A lot of times, like it doesn't have to just be one niche. Now, granted, just so like, that's why, for example, I call it relationship marketing versus like, Facebook, right? I'm going to go online Facebook or whatever. Um, because it doesn't matter that channel. It's like, who do you want to work with? And, and when you then go and focus on that one thing, what, what people understand when you get the people right, like you just said, they amplify it for you, right? So then it's like you're everywhere uh, because you have others activating and amplifying your message for you, with you. Uh, so you're not alone in, in doing it. So it still works to your favor. Um, you have to just think about the niche is like what type of persons or persons do I want to work with? And it, sometimes it's very specific, like an insurance person, but sometimes it can be the type of person, the the struggle that they're having that you're helping solve or the goal that they're wanting to reach that you're helping them reach. Um, so sometimes it can just be as simple as that versus a very specific type of person. Yeah. And, and Scott Smith was saying in, in the chat over on Amazon too, he's like, you know, it, ads make sense for some companies, but relationships make sense for all companies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's a, a powerful that's statement. Good. And I think to the point with like the insurance is like, well, you know, it kind of goes back to like, like you said, Jessica, you and I may not need each other's 
business, but we might know someone that could mm-hmm. work with either one of our businesses. And that's Absolutely. what people miss is listen, right? That's why we have two ears and, and one mouth. And then you can truly help others. You know, you can show you care, right? By helping them in their time of need. And I think that's, you know, I think it applies to business. And, and I think that's the challenge with all these platforms, right? It's like, oh, you got to be on TikTok. But it's like, but does it make sense just because, you know, that's what all the cool kids are doing? If your business, it, the people you serve aren't there, is it really makes sense to do that? So true. Yeah. And, and the, the one thing you touched on too, that I think people are, people you, you should not breeze over is that the most powerful way to market anything is to have somebody else tell somebody else about it, is mm-hmm. to share it. And even these platforms, mm-hmm. all of these platforms, you can buy tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. of ads every day on you know all of these platforms it's not as powerful as as a lot of people sharing that because they like what you're doing like what product you have like what service you provide like the content that you are making that's the power so focus on that focus on on how to make better content how to make a better product how to yeah. make, have a better service that and serve people and then they'll want to share it. And then there's your marketing. And using Amazon as an example of that, they don't even have to know the people that are advocating for you. When you go on Amazon, you buy something, like you look at the reviews and you believe it because the people are leaving the reviews. So it's word of mouth to world of mouth now, like from people just looking and seeing what others are saying, they're getting an opinion about your brand based on what they're saying. So it's not as small, like you said, don't brush over of just one person telling their neighbor, best friend, parent, whatever. It's they're advocating for you online for the world to see now and and believe it uh, and see it and and they keep showing up. Like I know, like uh, Jim, I know you're a fan of Agora Pulse too, and like like they are really good to people. And so I'm always advocating for them, uh, you know, all over. And because of how they show up and they consistently, you know, continue to show up for me, even though I've been a, a client customer forever, right? But they're still paying attention. They're still there if I have a problem. They're still paying attention when they're featured online or mentioned online. You know, they're saying thank you. No matter how many times I've done it, they still show up to say thank you. And that goes a long, long way. And I think anybody can do this, by the way. Like I do have a um a free workbook and video that um learnrelationshipmarketing.com if this any of it resonates with you. I'm not selling you anything, I promise. Um, but I really do think all of us win at the end of the day when we do it because it feels good. It's good business. And there's enough work out there for everyone, truly. Amen to that. I, I definitely agree. Now, Jessica, what got you the idea to start your own conference? Because you've been doing it for a few years now. Yeah. Um, actually, I went to Social Media Marketing World the very first year they had it. I've been there like every year that they've had it. And I really loved it. I felt like, first of all, I felt like I wasn't the only crazy person that was this passionate about like social media and stuff because in my community, they're like, Something's wrong with you, you know, uh, which there still may be verdicts out. But going there, I found like I, f- I felt like I found my people, one, and was able to build community there. And just these great relationships of people that had amazing ideas and, and truly were sharing about ways that brands can do just this. You, it doesn't, it's brains over budget, right? Like you can, you can market yourself with, with just ha- showing up with, the right intentions and, and grow your business. And I truly, because my community, unfortunately, Lima for many, many years has been one that's like 
you know, brain drain, people are leaving. And, um, you know, the community, this community of makers uh, in Lima, that's why I love the people that are there. Like they're truly passionate, like entrepreneurs, but they just don't know how to do this. So I knew they weren't going to spend the money to go to a big event um, and travel out of town. And, and the same messages that were being brought in um, from speakers that were being brought in were kind of very wrong <laughs> ways of doing business. And this is the only thing that's continuing to be fed to the businesses there. So I was like, we need to bring something like this into our community. So um, that's how it all started. And we started out first in our office at the time. And then now it's kind of grown from there. Yeah, it was funny. It was like one of the first um, few conversations I had with Jim when we started doing this thing um, was he brought this up. He was like, oh, there's this, there's this really great conference. You definitely <laughs> got to go when it goes. It's it's in Lima, Ohio. And I was like, wait, what? Where? Did you just say... <laughs> Did you just say live? I was like, so I'm, I'm I grew up in Detroit, so I, you know, I've driven uh-huh. down I 75 and uh-huh. seen that exit and that sign. I was like, you know, I, and we used to say like, oh, I'm at the Lima exit or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, so people knew exactly how how long you were. Uh-huh. And I was like, I couldn't believe. And he and he raved about how awesome oh, it was and all the great people uh, that were there. But um, this uh, this time around, you guys have some really incredible speakers. A lot uh-huh. of which, uh, you know, I mean, I know. Uh, can you just share? I mean, to me, I was like, when he told me mm-hmm. that there was this conference with all these great speakers, I was like, yeah, okay, right? And then mm-hmm. I went and looked at all the speakers and I was uh-huh. like, how in the world are they going to get all of these people to travel to Lima, Ohio? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and the quality of speakers are just really, I mean, congrats so to that. That is just amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And is relationship marketing, right? So like when I went to social media marketing world, I knew like, okay, now I'm amongst my people, but there's like a sea of people, right? And like, how am I going to stand out? This girl from Lima, population 30,000, that is going to stand out amongst all these people. And so I just, again, started focusing on just conversations, right? With the people that I really wanted to um, talk to and I was enjoying speaking with. And from there, I would try to introduce them to maybe somebody else, right? And then you know, so trying to be the connector and truly authentically relating though. I would, I'm one for authentic relating, which means you don't ask like just surface level questions. You try to really truly ask somebody a question that's meaningful that you're going to remember and not just wait to answer the next question that they're going to ask you. Um, and so the people I jived with and, and could really have a conversation with, I started hosting what's called the s'mores night. <laughs> that was, um, cause it's very much Midwestern kind of thing to do. And I found out the hotel, um, offered like s'mores kits and like fourth floor was, uh, had a fire pit. So <laughs> I invited people. I'm like, Hey, if you want to continue this conversation, like I'm going to host the s'mores, s'mores and wine up here. I would love to, you know, keep talking with you. And we did. So it started out with like, 20 people and then they kept growing uh, each year. And then the very last year that that rooftop was closed and everybody was bummed because nobody gets to do s'mores. But um, from there, I stayed in touch, right? And I, I wasn't going to ask people right away, even though I came back to my community and I launched the first conference in a few weeks after my, uh, Social Media Marketing World. Um, but I stayed in touch with them and I, and I you know, um, kept building a rapport with them. And then eventually it would start asking, I think you've seen you're doing something there. And I'm like, yeah, I was w- really would love for you to be a speaker, but I knew I couldn't pay anyone. So I was going to ask him to do it for free. So I waited kind of for people to start asking me. And then I would start talking to them about it. And thankfully, because of the value, I think that they feel that they're giving to and just the vibe that we've um, been able to create together. We've had the same people come back like Brian Fans has been back six times now, you know, uh, each year. And 
um, you know, uh, several people have been back many, many years in a row. And honestly, yesterday even showed me the reason why I think they keep coming back. Cause I had uh, two live streams. I had my, my show that I do, um, uh, magnet marketers. And then I also had another conversation with a woman that was at, event, at the event in 2019 and both of them shared their story. So like Kathy Hackle, and if you know her, she was on the show and she shared how her sharing her story on the stage, people were tweeting and they said, Oh, magic leap. You should take a peek at her. And she got her job at Magic Leap there. And then Jenna, um, the other woman that shared about her experience at Lima, she said that when 2020 hit, her business was tanking. And that then she looked back at all the notes and all the conversations that she had with the attendees and the speakers there, that she was able then to pivot and she launched her business. And now she's never been more successful or happy. And it's those are the stories like that keep you, you know, like wanting to uh, keep coming back and and showing up for him. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Chris, one of the things I really love about the way Jessica has it set up, and I and I could see that that could be the challenge if it got much bigger, is that everybody's in the same room. So it's not like you're like, oh, I got to go pick who I want to go see. Uh, it, it's really like a, a community during a, a, a conference. And then at the breaks, you're able to get up and go talk to people. And, and everyone is just so approachable. Like I don't can't think of one of the people and this is, you know, credit to Jessica. None of the speakers are like, "Oh no, I can't talk to you." They're they're more than willing to take the time, and you really get to know them on a personal level. And I think that's part of the magic of uh, of of Lima. Yeah, every year's a theme. So, like last year, well, twenty nineteen was craveable. <laughs> How to build an irresistible brand. Before that was the human experience, and then actually our very our second one was. Um, uh, business 2020, so believe it or not, <laughs> and the shift that's happening in 2020 uh, with more people needing to have um, online business, like being able to do business online. So it's kind of eerie that <laughs> that was the topic um, and title, but it, it's been great. So we want everybody to go through that experience together and learn what's to come together. Jessica, what? So what are the some of the things that uh, you and your team are working on? You know, to to maybe one help people grow. Uh, relationship marketing. What are some of the the things you're hoping to get more into over the the next year? Well, you'll learn a lot more about that social media week climb, but I'll give your audience a sneak peek. Only you. Um, so one of the things we actually just like that was the call that I was on right before I jumped on here. Um, one, our goal is to be like the most transparent agency in the world. So um, we've incorporated a lot of AI uh, to track time as well as a client portal. So like giving clients complete access to everything that we're doing and and um, log in everything in one place instead of being like, go here to get to drive, Google Drive and here to pay your invoice and here to whatever. you know Here's how much time you have left. So giving them access to that. But more importantly, we're providing just more training. Um, so we're going to be launching because I, I do believe people inside of their own company need to have someone that's in charge of helping with social media. I do not feel like even us, like we can't do it all for you because you are in your company. Like it's real people doing real things in real time and people want access to that. We can help enhance it and we can help like try to make it feel that way. But I really feel like more companies are looking at that now and how they can have influencers within their own company. So our goal is to help prepare and train them because they want that. But it doesn't mean that they know how to train that person, right? On how to do those things and and to be like the helping hands. Cause I also don't feel like in one person, they can be the web designer, graphic designer, you know, content creator, all the things. Um, they could be average at all those things, 
you know, and there's some definite amazing people out there that do that, but I feel like people need support. So we're launching a training um, relationship and ROI is what it's called. And then it has all of the videos on step-by-step, like how to do things. And then as new things come out, it's a quick video that they can grab and go. Um, so we're actually going to be rolling it out at uh, Social Media Week Lima to where people can get access to that and and have it at any time, a community there to an- help answer their questions, train them, train their team, um, and get them certified and on their way to doing awesome things. That's so important because I think that's where a lot of people, you, you hit on it, right? It's like, it's very hard for a social media manager to truly adapt the culture of that company. We can help them, but they've got to take a little bit of ownership. So that sounds very exciting that you're going to be able to, to help people take those steps. And and I think the people you work with will take those steps because it goes back to you. You determine early on on the relationship whether these are people you want to work with or not. And I think that's another great lesson that, that you taught, right? It's okay to say no, right? I think so many times we're afraid to say no because we're like, Oh, but you know, I gotta I gotta pay my bills. Well, yep. you know, think we need the money. Yep. yep. And but they end up costing miserable. you, you know, pay me now, pay me later, right? They're gonna end up costing you more misery and um, you know, that you always have that uh weird call where you gotta break up with someone later. You might as well just uh disqualify them at, at the onset. It's a high interest relationship. <laughs> Lots of credit debt. You don't want it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You had mentioned about in the training process, you had mentioned training influencers as a part of, of, of that whole strategy. How often do you run into businesses where the, someone, someone who's running social media is the influencer? Or, you know, like how is, you know, how do, how do you weigh all of that? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, Jim and I are not used to that word, but I guess we are, right, when it comes to this and in terms of Amazon. Um, but, you know, it's so important now with, uh, with influencer marketing and, you know, with even smaller businesses, not just big businesses, people are trusting other people talking about stuff, not necessarily the company talking about that stuff. How important is that? And, and uh, how do you work with companies to do that? Huge. First of all, getting them to let down their guard a little bit and trust that it's okay to let their people do their own thing. And that's part of like going back to who you hire because many companies are still in the same mindset. And I think we even know a company, um, that, Jim, that you, we were talking about earlier that they were letting their people go because they were starting a podcast that didn't have to do specifically with them. They were letting their people go because they were, you know, sharing the love for another company and they were just getting threatened a little bit by that. And you're not in competition with your employees. You shouldn't be, right? You should be cheering them on and realizing their success is a can be a direct reflection of your success, right? It's the same thing if you if your clients do well. That's good. That's looking good on you, right? Like if your team members are thriving, that looks good on you. Now, granted, I know there's specific in- instances and situations that may not align with the values of the company, but that goes back to hiring people that do. And so let them do their thing, you know, let them be happy, let them thrive, right? And, and do have a side gig, have whatever. Uh, I have so many team members, I would say over half of them have their own like side hustle. Um, you know, it's one's a baker, another one's a photographer, you know, uh, one sells X stand. Um, that's awesome. I want to cheer them on. I want them to do those things. Um, and you have to, as brands now, like embrace that mindset that you don't have control anymore at all. Like your messaging is you're owned by your customers. Uh, you know, your experience is owned by your team members. 
And all you can hold on to is truly making sure that you're creating an environment where those people thrive and want to be a part of it. So they're going to keep showing up for you. Because other than that, honestly, you've lost your control a long time ago, unfortunately. Um, So you might have to do some breathing for that. But uh, so we want to help uh, companies truly just embrace that understanding and help them create the environment that allows those those people to thrive, um, as well as people like to understand how to how to connect and, and hire some of those influencers. I think 2020 was also a year that that was another understanding that you know when speaking gigs were kind of dried up a little bit and some of those brand deals were dried up a little bit, some influencers were going you know getting picked up by companies and it light bulb went off and like oh like this could be a good thing um, and and have that advocate there. We want to make sure that uh, you guys head to social Lima, not Lima, sociallima.com, not Lima, Jim. I know. And, um, (laughs) and obviously Jessica Phillips, uh, com and, uh, learn relationship, uh, marketing.com. Uh, Jessica, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, can't wait to meet you IRL in a few weeks. Um, in Lima, I finally get to take that exit instead of talking about driving by it and, uh, uh, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Thank you, Jessica, for joining us. Thank you. Looking Thank you so forward much. to seeing you. And and uh, I, we'll be Thank doing hugs, right? Yeah. And I want s'mores. Yeah, and suits and stuff. Yeah. We need to figure that out. There is, um, there's definitely cornhole. We got that covered, you know, in Midwest right. too. And we definitely love feeding people. That's one of the things that we're known for. So we'll make sure s'mores is on the table. <laughs> I'll bring some Hershey bars and some graham crackers. And uh, Jim, you bring the marshmallows. That Let's sounds do it. like a plant. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. And as always, don't fear the gear. Thanks for listening to Dealcasters. Congratulations. You've taken another step forward in your content creation journey. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button here in your favorite podcast player so you can be reminded every time we drop an episode. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. And if you're wanting to watch our shows live on Amazon, feel free to follow Dealcasters Live as well at dealcasters.live. Follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our YouTube channel where we also included added content that you cannot find anywhere else. If you have questions about this episode or have something you want us to review, you can also email us at dealcasters at dealcasters.live. Thanks again for listening. And you know the deal. Don't fear the gears.